0: I searched what is the most common male name, I guess, in America, in the world. I don't know. I searched Google, and what it gave me was James, the first name James. And I searched what is the most common last name, and I found Smith. And so I went to Facebook, I went to my profile, and I typed in James Smith, and I found thousands of people come up, lots of James Smiths in the world. And I scrolled down to the point to where I found a James Smith that didn't have any mutual friends with me in hopes that none of you actually knew who this guy was. Does anyone know this guy? Good. All right. Good. Um, so James Smith. If somehow you like you come across this in online or on podcast, I'm sorry. It's for a good point. Uh, but I don't really know James Smith, do I? In, in about 10 or 15 minutes on Facebook, I was able to research a little bit about James, and that's what I told you right there. But you and I, we, we, you'd both agree, I think, that I don't know James Smith. I don't really know him. But what if him and I, what if him and I, we actually met each other? Say we're walking down the street. And James comes. He doesn't know me, but but I come and I meet James. I'm like, hey James, how's it go? How's your wife? How's your kids? How, as, how's that seven and a half minute mile, man? Are you get? Are you kind of backing off that pace? Uh, he would be a little freaked out first off that a 30 year old guy is probably stalking him. But after he recovered from that first freak out, if we were able to sit down and maybe have a conversation, and I was to convince him I'm not a weirdo and that that I just kind of want to know more about him, and when we're able to talk about his life. Uh, maybe he's able to share some of the things, some, of, some personal stories that only he knows. Maybe he tells me some things that are going on with his kids, or maybe in his marriage. You would say, and I would say that I know James a lot better, right? I mean, we understand that. To, to get to know people, we talk to people. Uh, we hear from that person. I talk to that person. So how do we get to know Jesus? I think it's a tough question. How do we get to know Jesus? And the question that's going to kind of kind of go around this whole series that we're starting today is really this. Who is Jesus? It's a very basic question, isn't it? But at the same time, a huge question. Who is Jesus? Because the answer to this question is why we are here. Jesus is the reason we are here. Jesus is the reason that I'm here speaking to you this morning. It's the reason that you showed up, that you got out of bed, that you arrived here on Sunday morning. It's because of Jesus and because of who he is. And it's important that we realize who he is because of all of those things. And you're also going to hear a lot about Jesus, aren't you? You see, people are going to say different things about him. That video showed you a few different things where where some people might say, Jesus is the Son of God, while other people might say, Jesus is just a man. You know, some people might say, Jesus is a very confused person. Some people say, well, Jesus had it all figured out. And you saw all the words that kind of flashed on the screen from lunatic to martyr to son of God to man. There's a lot of things that people say about Jesus. And I would say there's not a more controversial, more debated man in the history of the world than Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus? Uh, That is why I'm excited, man, to kind of get into this series uh, today. And we're going to get into this series, and it's called I Am Uh, Jesus in his own words we're calling this I am Jesus in his own words and a lot of you know that the four gospels the four stories of Jesus Matthew Mark Luke and John and in the gospel of John we have these I am statements we usually call them that because Jesus says I am this and there are seven statements we're going to go each week seven statements and it's going to lead all the way up to Easter and I think it's going to be just a great series to really answer that question to get into your mind who is Jesus and so we're going to start with the Bible I, I know that is maybe a shock to y'all that we're in church and we're going to start with the Bible. Uh, but we're going to start there. And what's crazy to me is sometimes we don't start there, though. When we answer that question, who is Jesus, sometimes we don't start there. And maybe sometimes we go to a politician and we listen to what he or she has to say about Jesus. Maybe we go to a famous author. Maybe we go to some scholar. Maybe you go to your friend who seems to know everything. But no, we're going to start with the Bible. Because in the Bible, we have the actual words of Jesus spoken from his mouth. And there's very few people that would ever debate that these are Jesus' words presented in the Bible. We have the people that walked next to Jesus. And so we're going to start with the Bible, John chapter 6. We're going to be there most of the morning. So John chapter 6, and in verse 35, we have the first I am statement from Jesus. And he says this, I am the bread of life. Now, I don't know about you, but like right off the bat, I'm pretty interested I love food. Does anyone love food? Anyone just a foodie? Like, I love food. Like, I look forward to meals. Breakfast, lunch, dinner are my favorite three times of the day, just about. Um, I love food. I love bread. Is, any, is anyone a bread person? Like, just loves bread. Like, garlic bread, sourdough bread. Some of y'all are out there. I love... There's nothing better than fresh baked bread out of the oven, is there? If you're a bread person, there isn't. And you put a little bit of butter on there. Like, maybe you go you're real crazy and you throw a little jelly or some apple butter, or a biscuit. If you love bread, maybe you can relate to this. This is one of my favorite videos, check this out. This is the joy for me. I love bread. (laughs) I love bread. I now just manage it, so I don't deny myself bread. I have bread every day. I have bread every day. That's the genius of this program. I lost 26 pounds, and I have eaten bread every single day. <laughs> uh, I love that, man. It was one of my favorite Oprah videos. I love how she says bread. It's, it's two syllables, too. Um, but I do. I love bread. And, and, and I, I kind of uh, imagine, you know, what if Jesus said something different? Why did he pick bread, of all things? You know, he could have said anything. He could have said, I'm the broccoli of life. Or, and I, Would you have been interested in that, though? Like. Some of you are kind of weird and you like broccoli. I eat it just because my mom said it was good for me. But like, I wouldn't be interested if he said that. He says, I am the bread of life. He picks the most kind of common, most universal food you can ever imagine. And if you, if you go throughout culture and different, different people out throughout the world, almost every person understands bread in some way. They almost all have some type of bread in their life. Bread is very much the basic, the basic sustenance almost of life. And so Jesus says, Not I am the broccoli or I'm the pork or the... He says, I am the bread of life. And maybe there's a reason that that he does that. Maybe there's a reason that he narrows down on this most common, most universal, most delicious food he can, bread. So how does Jesus fulfill us like bread does? Because bread fulfills us. But how does Jesus do that? And so we're going to start actually, uh, and it's in John chapter 6, but before we go into John chapter 6, I want to start in the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, we have this kind of prelude to the book of, of, of John chapter 6 that, that you need to know before we get into that. And so in Exodus, we have the, the, this, this man of God named Moses. And many of you know this story, and Moses actually gets the people and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're walking through the wilderness, they're walking through the desert. And these people are walking for days and days and weeks and months and months. And these people are hungry. They are very much starving. They are thirsty. And I, has has anyone ever been hungry before? And I don't mean like man, I haven't eaten in like an hour. But have you been hungry before? Maybe you've gone days without food. Maybe you've got, skipped meals. The longest I've ever gone without eating is 24 hours. Um, which isn't that long. I, I, some of y'all have gone probably days without that. But that's as long as I've gone, and I felt like I was dying by the end of it. Like I truly did. Like I was drinking juices, man, and I was laying down and getting IVs. Like it, 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 I felt really terrible by the end of that, and it's pretty bad. But but that's as far as I've gone without eating. Uh, the other time that I've really felt hunger is hiking. Uh, does anyone like to hike here? Anyone hikers? you all okay, my my wife and I we love to hike. Uh, there's no really places to hike around here And so when we go on vacation, we go up to north carolina and then the boone area. We love to go on hikes My wife and I we 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 do hikes very differently though So i'm very much kind of a big idea kind of guy when it comes to hikes Like I I love the idea of hikes. I love to get to a certain point to me It's all about going to that waterfall or going to that maybe that elevation the highest elevation Uh, To me, it's all about the kind of the big idea about hiking and so I don't really prepare much when it gets to hiking like i never have my entire life. I just I just start hiking and maybe I'll go 10 miles and I like I have no prep at all. And so a lot of times what I'll bring is as simple as just like a bottle of water. And so I might say, all right, I got a 10 mile hike right here and I'll have a bottle of water in my hand. Like that's just how I operate for some reason. My wife is very different. She preps a lot. And so I might say, Sarah, hey, I'm, I'm ready for this hike. I'll have a bottle of water. She comes, I mean, with like a full backpack of stuff. And she has gathered bananas, you know, and apples and sandwiches and granola bars and fruit snacks and a first aid kit and 10 bottles of water. And she is like loaded down for maybe even a mile hike. She has everything prepared. We are we are completely different. And that's why we compliment each other in, in a very good way. And, you know, and, and I know I look, I look probably pretty dumb standing there with a bottle of water. But she knows that she has to pack for me. See, early on when we were dating, like she didn't know that and and I I still wasn't charged with packing for hikes. And so we went on this hike in Buffalo Mountain which is a which is a mountain close to where we went to school and we literally only had a bottle of water because uh, I had packed for the hike. She had um she she gave me that, that that ability to do that. But in this hike it was about 10 miles actually. Uh, I didn't think about that and so we hiked there and back and this bottle of water was gone within about a mile. Uh, to top it off, this hike, it had actually all kind of burned down, all of the trees and all the brush. And so we had all the sun kind of beating down on us this entire hike. And I kind of got a little scared by the end of that hike of when my next meal would be, when my next drink of water would be. That's about as close as I've ever come to feeling that hunger, to feeling that thirst. And so maybe you can relate to that. You see, the Israelites, when they got out of Egypt and they were wandering through the desert and wandering through this wilderness, you have to imagine they were starving. They were thirsty. They were thirsty. And so they start saying things, they actually start crying out to God, and they're like, God, you know, we were in Egypt, and we had all these grapes, and we had all this great food, and it was so wonderful, and everything was wonderful, God. And then you pulled us out of Egypt, and now we're wandering through the desert. Do you care about us, God? Why don't you just, why don't you just strike us down, just kill us? I mean, they they get really sad, they get really miserable. And so you can tell that these people are, have you seen those Snickers commercials where they say, you're not you, When you're hungry. I love those commercials. And you know, when you get a Snickers bar, all of a sudden you're you again. Uh, But that's kind of like with the Israelites, because they are super, super hungry, super thirsty. And they're crying out to God. They're saying things that probably aren't really them. And you know what? God has mercy on these kind of miserable people. And so he has compassion. And in Exodus, uh, there's a verse I want to read. And he sends down this bread from heaven. And here's what it says. He says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Uh, This word for bread is one of my favorite Hebrew words, uh, manna, and it actually means, what is it? I just think that's the funniest thing. Because these Israelites, they would have picked up this substance, this this kind of bread, and they're like, what is it? Because it is this weird bread-like thing that came down from heaven. And you know what's crazy about the story, man, is that for 40 years, not just a day, not just for weeks, months, for 40 years, God rained down this bread, rained down this manna from heaven. And the people of God, they would collect it every morning, and they lived on this manna. That's a story that sticks, man. That's a story that is passed down from generation to generation. And so you can imagine great-grandparents passing it down to their grandkids, maybe their great-grandparents that actually went through it, and they're telling their grandkids about it. And that, that person then is telling their grandkids about it. And so the story has been passed down for years and years and years. And so about a thousand years after that, we get to Jesus. And we get to this story in John chapter 6 where this story about the manna would have been very much in the minds of the people that are following Jesus, that are with him at this point. And so I, I would like for you to actually kind of imagine that you are a person in the crowd One of the jews and and you might say like I don't know how to do that And so i'm going to kind of lead you through this And so i'd like for you to imagine that you are one of the people just in the day of jesus And so you might have heard some stories about jesus by this point Jesus was his popularity was kind of building you would say And so maybe you heard the story of when jesus was at the wedding This was one of the first stories you heard and jesus the story goes and, and you don't know if it's true or not But but jesus actually at the end of this wedding, I guess they ran out of wine and so Jesus gets these pitchers of water, and the story goes that, that, that he turned the water into wine. Man, the miracle of all miracles, water into alcohol, right? That's that's crazy. And you're like, man, that, that's unbelievable. I don't know if it's true, but it's super cool. And so then you hear, oh, man, there's now some people that are actually following Jesus. And he's teaching around the synagogues, and he's teaching around different areas, and people are actually following him. And then you hear the story about the little boy, the little boy that couldn't walk. And so you, then you hear that that jesus went to this boy and he heals him and then the boy is now playing like nothing had ever happened And then you hear the story about the man There's this man disabled man at the pool and he hasn't walked his entire life and jesus goes to this man And he says hey, do you want to do you want to walk and the man's like? Yeah, I do it and, and the man Jesus says well get up and walk and the man gets up and he, and he runs and he walks and he jogs and it's incredible and you hear all these stories And maybe you don't know if they're true, but it but they're incredible And so then you hear that Jesus is going to be teaching nearby. And so you say, let me go check out this guy, Jesus. Because I've been hearing all these things about him, and and I'd like to answer that question, really, who is this guy? Who is Jesus? And so you go to this place nearby where he's teaching. And when you get there, man, you can't believe your eyes. Because to the right, to the left, in front of you, There's probably about 5,000 people here. And they've all come to hear from this man, Jesus. And he's teaching. And he starts talking to some of the people nearby. and, And some of them have actually been following him for days. And so some of them are getting hungry. Some of them are about to leave. And then something happens. Something really weird happens. Jesus takes this bread. And he takes this fish. And it looks like he takes them from a little boy. You can't really see what's going on. At first all, you're thinking, that's kind of mean to take the food from a little boy. But he takes his food, and he starts passing it around. And maybe you even start heckling a little bit. You're like, all right, Jesus, save me a crumb. You know, save me a scale on the fish. Maybe you start heckling, and, and, and they're passing this around. And before you know it, the food's been passed around. And all of a sudden, you have a loaf of bread in your hand and a fish in your hand. And every single person around you is eating and having their fill. And you had heard the stories, but it just became real at that point. Who is Jesus? You know, who is this guy? And I imagine that would have been kind of a somewhat of a common thing that might have happened. As people heard the stories of Jesus, maybe thought, is this really true? Is this guy really all all who he, the people say that he is? And they experienced him for themselves. And you know what the crazy thing is? It's at the beginning of this story, in John chapter 6, we have what the Bible says is 5,000 people who were fed. There are thousands of people who had eaten, thousands of people who are following Christ. But by the end of this story, by the end of this chapter, after Jesus says the words, I am the bread of life, almost every single person following him left. The crowd had dispersed. You see, there was an incredible shift, a massive shift in how people felt about Jesus by the beginning of the story to the end of the story. I mean, imagine that kind of shift. That would be like if you show up up to church next week and there's like two people here in the audience. Like that is the shift. And so this happens in the story and it begs the question, why did people leave? What was it about the words, I am the bread of life, that caused people to leave? Um, So we're going to jump into verse 26 here in in John chapter 6. And so there's a lot that's happened here. I just told you a lot of it where the the feeding of the 5,000 had happened. There's a story of Jesus walking in water, which is an incredible story on its own, and we can't get into that for for today's message. But Jesus is actually kind of away from the crowd, and the crowd has come back to Jesus at this point. And so the crowd is seeking him, and Jesus and the crowd start having this conversation together. All right, so this is chapter 6, verse 26. Verse 26. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You see, the crowds that they've gathered for one reason, we're going to put it on the screen here, it is they are searching for temporary fulfillment. They are truly searching for their next meal. They're truly searching to fill their bellies. And maybe they're hoping to have some healing, like they heard the stories before. Maybe they're hoping for that famous Jesus wine. Like maybe they're hoping for some of these things. But they're there for temporary fulfillment. And Jesus points it out to the crowd. And then he says this in verse 27. He says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. See what the crowd was searching for and what jesus was offering was way different The crowd was searching for temporary fulfillment But jesus was offering eternal fulfillment The crowd wanted to fill their bellies like very literally to fill their bellies And jesus says, you know, i'm not here just for that. I'm here for something a lot more. I'm here to offer you food for your soul I'm here to offer you food for your heart And at first glance, I kind of think, man, how dumb is the crowd? Like, they should have known this by now because they go back and forth together. Why doesn't the crowd understand? But, man, do we not do the same thing? Are we not searching for the next meal in our life? Yeah, we might say we're looking for eternal fulfillment. That might be our search. But are we not looking for temporary fulfillment? Are we not looking for that bigger house, that better job, maybe that better spouse? Are we not looking for that next meal all the time, just like the crowd is? But Jesus says, look, I am offering something better. Something that will fulfill you for your life for eternally. Let's check out these verses in in verse 35. And so the crowd and Jesus, they they go kind of back and forth for a while. The crowd still doesn't understand. And in verse 35, Jesus, I think, almost has enough. And he says, all right, y'all. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Skip down to verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet what happened? They died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You see, it took a long time for the crowd to understand. From almost to the point here at the end of this chapter, they still thought, well, Jesus, when, when is the bread and fish coming? When's the next meal coming? But you know what? When, when they got it here at the end, and if you read through this whole chapter, you'll see when they get it, the crowd leaves. They leave They were looking truly for the next Moses They were looking for manna 2.0 You could you could say They were looking for their next meal for the next temporary Fulfillment in their life and so they are searching For this stuff and jesus almost In in a way he exposes the emptiness Of that life in front of them And almost every person there Leaves Because they don't want what jesus is offering They kind of liked Their stuff You know, they kind of liked that stuff that they were building in their life. They kind of liked their next meals and everything. But Jesus was offering something way different. Uh, Some of you may know the story of Steve Jobs. Uh, Most of you know him. He's one of the founders of Apple computers. Uh, He's a very kind of controversial figure as well. Uh, There's a few movies that have come out about Steve Jobs recently. I think two movies in the last kind of five years. Uh, But there's a story in one of the movies that, that I really, really love. Uh, So kind of in the first couple years of Apple, uh, Steve Jobs, he's he's very much a visionary. He had a lot of great ideas about products and how to build this company, but he didn't have management experience. And so he calls this guy, Steve Jobs is on the left, he calls this guy on the right, his name is John Scully. And so if you saw one of the videos or one of the movies, you might have kind of seen this story. So he calls this guy John Scully, and he is the president of Pepsi. And so Pepsi at the time was one of the leading companies still basically of America, of the world, just like they are today. They had tons of money. And so John Scully, I mean, he's just like, golly, y'all are kind of a bunch of computer nerds, and why would I go there? Like, I'm making tons of money at Pepsi. And so he rejects him. And so Jobs calls him again, and again Scully rejects him. And so the third call, um, I guess they actually meet in the movie. They're actually kind of meeting at a restaurant, and I love this line. I love this question that Steve Jobs Uh, Gives to john scully And he presents all of his visionary ideas and he's like look Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want a chance to change the world? I love that question. Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to change the world? And look steve jobs doesn't have it all figured out by any means But I love that question because I think it kind of parallels in a way to what jesus says here where he's telling the crowd in a sense Do you want to drink sugared water The rest of your life, do you want to eat of these temporary breads the rest of your life? Or do you want your life to change? Do you want a chance To change the world by following me By loving god by loving others because he says this will only leave you hungry, it'll only leave you thirsty. You see, I, I think we spend a lot of our life kind of eating these breads. And so this kind of starts when we we're a kid. It starts as when we we're a child. And as a child, maybe we think, man, if I can just get that new toy, right? Some of you have children, and maybe they're begging you for that new toy. They're begging you for that video game, that doll, that Barbie. They're begging you for that thing. And as kids, we do that. Man, if I can just get that new toy, I will be happy. You know, my life will be fulfilled. And so as kids, we eat of this bread and what? Maybe it lasts a week, maybe a month. Very rarely a year. But we eat a lot of these breads as kids, and we continually devour these toys, and we do these things, and and they don't leave us fulfilled So as teens Maybe we think alright If I can just if I can just have these accomplishments If I can just get the grades that I want If I can just get into the college That I want If I can just get into that club If I can just do these things Then I will be happy Then my life will be fulfilled Then everything will be great And you as adults you'll know When you look back onto your life did that make you happy? Yeah there's parts of it that sure Your life is better because of it But are you fulfilled in your life Because of those things? And very often it becomes another bread in our life. And then maybe we think, all right, if I can just have him as my boyfriend or her as my girlfriend, then I will be happy. Then I will be happy. Then I will be fulfilled. But a lot of you know as well that that leaves you pretty empty. And so maybe some of you adults even sit here today and you feel empty because of those things that you did in the past, and that bread that you ate. And maybe a few of you even feel a little broken inside because of those breads, because you see these these breads they can do things to us. They can they can sometimes even make us feel empty. They can sometimes even make us feel worthless. That's what these breads sometimes do. And you know, and and, and we as adults we can look at that stuff as kids, as teens, and think. Yeah. You know, we were dumb. We were were little. We didn't know what we were doing. But do we do anything different? Do we not as adults do the same thing? And maybe it's the new house or maybe it's the new car. Man, if I can just get that car. If I can just get that house, maybe that new kitchen, that backyard, that new bathroom, then everything will be great. Everything will be great. I'll be fulfilled. Everything will be wonderful. Let me ask you, if you have this, are you fulfilled? Did that fulfill you in life? So maybe we think, all right, maybe it's the job. Maybe if I'm promoted enough, or maybe if I get that raise, maybe if I get that next job, maybe I move to that next city and I get that job. Maybe if I get those things, then everything will be great. And maybe we eat of this bread, eat of this, uh, eat of this bread, and we're still hungry. We are still thirsty. So some of us, maybe we think, all right, it's the kids. If I have kids, it'll make me happy. And so you have a kid and it, maybe it doesn't make you happy, so you have another kid and, it and you have another kid in it. Kids are wonderful. Kids are great. They're a great thing about life. But what you all know, is that I've never seen an unhappy person, an unfulfilled person, become happy and fulfilled because of children. They're a wonderful thing about life, but I would say they aren't your eternal fulfillment. And we go through life and we eat these breads. It seems like all we do is devour this stuff and we consistently eat them and we consistently devour them to the point that we're always hungry, we are always thirsty, and we wonder why. And I wonder why we are still eating these breads. Why are we still devouring these things in our life? Why do we expect anything different? As a a child, you knew that new toy would not bring you fulfillment. But as an adult, we don't know that house, that car, that job, those kids will bring us fulfillment. There is only one thing, I'm telling you, there's one thing that brings you eternal fulfillment. These breads will leave you empty. These breads will leave you at times broken. There is one bread that will break for you. And that is the bread of life. He's the only bread that breaks for you. That is Jesus. See, Jesus offers fulfillment. Sometimes it's easy to to eat of these things because they're right in front of us. And they seem great, they seem shiny, they seem wonderful. But Jesus offers a life different than that. He says, I am the bread of life. I offer fulfillment to the end for your entire life. As, so I wonder, who is Jesus to you? Do you recognize that he is the bread of life? Uh, this morning, we're going to have a chance to actually take communion together. Um, there's really no, uh, no other fitting way, to, I think, to end this service and to do that. Uh, so we're going to do this as we kind of normally do, which is to come down the middle aisles. We'll start in the back. You can come down the middle aisles. You can grab a piece of bread, grab a cup of juice, go down the outer aisles, and go back to your seats, and you, you can go ahead and, and have a seat. Um, and I'll come back here and I'll kind of lead us together into this communion. But I want you to really think that as we take this bread, and if you're new to church, this is simply a way that we remember Jesus, his body and his blood. But when you take the bread to really think bread of life, it's sustenance for your entire life. Jesus asks asked the disciples one thing kind of in the middle of the book, and he, and he says, who do you say that I am? And so I ask that to you bef- as we kind of end. Who is Jesus to you? I would say Jesus is the bread of life.